Yesterday, we did have some fun with our kids. We ended up doing a lot of crafts, and Easter Bunny was there, and eggs. And now, we're going to invite our kids, like we usually do, to Flower the Cross. So you're going to watch them walk up here, and they're going to worship through Flowering of the Cross. And while they're doing that, I want to teach you a new chorus that you may have not heard yet. We're going to have the voices sing it first, and then you will join us when we're ready. All right, here we go, voices. Let's show them how it is. Oh, crown him, crown him the risen Lord of Lords. Crown him, crown the victorious King. All right, congregation, you try it out here. Come on. Crown him, crown him the risen Lord of Lords. Crown him. Crown the victorious King of Kings. Okay, I'm seeing some thumbs up and I'm seeing some head nods, so you look like you are equipped to do this on your own, okay? We're gonna sing that chorus a couple times, but we're gonna start singing with an old classic that you probably already know. It goes like this. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Mark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Just the voices, come on, lift it. Oh, crown him, 
Crown him the risen Lord of Lord. He has risen. Crown him. Crown him victorious King of Kings. Oh, crown him. Crown him the risen Lord of Lord. Crown him. Crown him victorious King of Kings. The pray for us this morning. God, we are thankful for the way in which you have restored your people and that you are looking to continue that restoration in our lives. This day, we offer our thanks for what has taken place thousands of thousands of years ago. And we are able to see the beauty of the tradition of your church from the book of Acts and all the way through to now, the ways in which your church has come together to worship your name, to worship the lamb that was slain, to worship the king of kings. We offer our voices, our hearts, and our minds to you, Lord, that they would be fixed on you, Jesus, as the centerpiece of all things. We focus our hearts and our minds on you now.
gratitude in our hearts as you are our strength and you are our hope we praise you and we praise you Lord endlessly in Jesus' name we pray and we sing together amen this next part of our church service is something that we do each and every Sunday which is where we pass the peace of Christ to one another now as I see so many new faces here I want to just let you know there's two ways of doing that one is you go to someone that you know or you don't know and you say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in return, say, and also with you. The second way is if that language just does not make sense, if that language is just hard to remember, that just becomes a greeting time for you to get to know the people that are sitting next to your left and your right and behind you and in front of you. So as the band plays, would you go and pass the peace of Christ to one another?
Awesome. Awesome, everybody. If you're able to find your way back to your seats as we continue on with the rest of our worship service. Yeah, this trombonist is coming up right now to play, Mr. Ben Freeman. <laughs> hey, I just want to say, um, as the uh, one of the music directors here at San Diego First Church, uh, I am blessed through each season to be able to have so many great instrumentalists, and we have not only band members, but we have string players and brass players and choir, and so we get to, yeah, seriously, it is awesome. It is really awesome. And so... Right now, we will be moving into a time of reflection of the resurrection of Christ. And that's going to be led by our San, San Diego First Church Sanctuary Choir and Brass. And so let us turn our attention to the stream for the words and the choir, and let's reflect together on the death and the resurrection of Christ.
Thank you so much. Thank you. Would you join me in dismissing our children as they go to the children's building to learn and grow in the peace and the love of Christ that has been given to them? If you need to, you can look on the screen or in your bulletin um, to follow along with me as we pray over our children through Philippians 1. And this is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you later, kids. I'm going to invite up our head pastor, D. Kelly, to engage us in scripture through the book of Matthew. He's going to open us up by reading through Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Good morning to everybody. It is great to be with you on this wonderful Easter morning celebration. The scripture passage for this morning, as Austin just mentioned, is out of Matthew chapter 28. Um, we are just reading a rather short portion of this powerful Easter story. It begins in verse 1, finishes up in verse 10, and this is how the passage reads. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell them he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. Afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. I know you've heard me say this many times before. For, for those of you who come here on a regular basis, for those who don't, you're hearing it right off the bat for the first time. And I would love if you uh, are visitors that you just name this as your home away from home. If your neighbors and nearby that uh, we would love to have you join us on a regular basis. Um, we will, just so you know, in case you do come back, our regular services typically take place right across the Friendship Plaza and the Family Life Center. We will be back there next week and would love to have you come join us there for our services um, that happen. But I, I, the thing that I have said so many times is that context matters. We have a passage here, and it's important to recognize how important context is, because I would contend this morning that I need Easter far more than I realize. I would propose that maybe you do as well. And maybe this morning, in the next few minutes, there will be an aha of, oh, yeah. Maybe this is more than just this annual nice time to come together and sing some pretty fanfare music and uh, greet some people that um, we haven't seen maybe in a little bit, or maybe we have, and it's just as a special morning because of that. Let me give you an example. This is not in any way to try and make a comparison to this and the Easter story. But if I simply said to you that there was a young man that I know that made a jump shot in basketball, I'd expect that reaction that I just got. Just nothing flat as can be. No response at all. Now, if I give a little more context to that, it might change a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar, but 
Um, last weekend, one of our local teams, the Aztecs, was in a uh, major playoff in the semifinals. They had never gotten to that level in the NCAA men's tournament. In this particular game, very competitive, but in the second half, they were down by 14 points. They made this amazing comeback, fifth best in NCAA history. It's down to the last few seconds. They don't even have the ball, but a shot's taken by the other team. It's missed. They have the ball with only a few seconds left. Lamont Butler dribbles down all the way to the baseline, and I'm getting cheers from Ben in the back, who I think was there in the moment, I think, when it happened. And I don't know if you're coming all the way to the front to cheer. Oh, you're stopping with your parents. Okay. Wasn't quite expecting that dramatic of an entry at that moment, but it worked well. So thank you for adding to the storyline. Looks like the game's over because he dribbles all the way to the baseline. Only two seconds left. He's well covered. He tells us later that in his head he thinks, only two seconds. I need to get to a spot I'm comfortable with to take a shot. He gets to that spot, goes airborne in a picture-perfect jump shot, releases the ball with no time left on the clock, down by one point, swish. A young man simply made a jump shot. <laughs> Context matters. It makes a big difference. All of a sudden, you get the sense of, oh, this was a really big deal. And it was a really big deal. Again, please don't make any comparison between a jump shot and the story of this morning, except for the principle that context makes a difference. It seems to me very often when we come on a Sunday morning, particularly an Easter Sunday morning, and we celebrate Easter, we forget the context of what leads up to this moment. We've been spending all of the Lenten season working through the stories of Jesus that lead to this moment. So let me review and paint the picture of where we've been. We have Jesus' journey whose ministry starts at a wedding celebration. A wedding celebration that's about to go terribly wrong when they run out of drinks for the guests. Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, I know you can do something here. The, the family of the wedding party they're about to go through shameful embarrassment among their friends. It may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to them. And Jesus' first miracle that we have recorded in Scripture, he changes the water into wine in a spectacular way because it was better than any other drinks there. And the abundance, the amount they had, extravagant. And Jesus begins his ministry in a beautifully symbolic way as the host of the great banquet yet to come. Not too long after that, Jesus runs into Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council, but concerned, confused, maybe not confused, but curious, comes to Jesus, comes to Jesus at night. My guess is, I'm not sure of this, but I'm guessing he's concerned about his own reputation. It may not seem like a big deal to you until your reputation is about ready to be trashed. Then maybe it becomes a big deal to you. Jesus just engages him meets him at night, meets him right where he is in the midst of what's going on in his life's journey, engages in a conversation and challenges him to think in new ways. Think outside the box. Think with an eternal eyesight. Think beyond your own current circumstances. It's confusing to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is 
left not certain of all that he was just taught and told, but it seems like he leaves and ponders it because we visit him two more times in the storyline. Not long after that, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Such a profound story. A woman whose history Jesus seems to know. I don't know how he knows it. But I'm guessing that this history is something she's not real prone to lead with in any conversation. And Jesus' response is, I know your history. I know your story. Let me be part of that storyline of yours. And begins to engage in a conversation about faith and worship and validates her in ways she's never been validated before. Jesus, in this moment, chooses a Samaritan woman, the Samaritans, not people that the Jewish people ever associated with, chooses in that moment to reveal that he's the Messiah. What a statement that the good news is for everyone. The good news invites all to the table. We've got several other things that take place, followed by the feeding of the 5,000, caring for the hungry, where Jesus speaks about being the bread of life. It's a tough teaching, and it says, as he goes into the details of that, that many disciples no longer follow him. But he meets the needs of the people right where they're at. Sometimes it's so difficult to think of the big needs because today's needs are so overwhelming. And I'll say it again, I think sometimes I forget how much I need Easter. The feeding of the 5,000 followed shortly thereafter by the story we discussed several weeks ago, the person who wasn't able to see from birth. And yet in the story there is this comparison about how well he actually sees while those who are part of the Pharisee group found it so difficult to see the truth. Jesus steps into those moments and proclaims that he is the light of the world. These claims begin to garner followers who are taken not only with what he does, but with what he says and who he is. Because their needs are great, and Jesus again and again steps into the needs of the people he meets. And great crowds began to gather. We have one of the gospel writers who says that he walked through the crowds even though they were ready to make him king by force because that was not what was necessary to take place. We then have the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, this wonderful family. I think Jesus felt like family with them, a comfortable place to be, to recline, to eat and dine, to just be Jesus. But he's called to their home with Lazarus very ill, and by the time Jesus arrives, he's dead and been buried. And the miracle that Jesus brings about, the resuscitation of Lazarus, captures the attention of many, many people, and yet some who really, for whatever reason, didn't realize how much they needed it, left and went to report, how are we going to do away with this man? He's gathering a following. He's a problem. They miss how much they need in answer to their problem. The followers, those enthralled with this story, they are not ready for what takes place. Jesus, betrayed, arrested, tried, condemned, sent to Golgotha to be crucified, 
And on the cross, Jesus offers these words, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It feels like this is the end of the movement, the death of a dream. The passionate followers that pursued Jesus, all of a sudden the disciples are scattered. There are only a handful who remain around the cross to hear those words and to wonder what it all meant. This is the context of that first morning after the Sabbath. This is the place where people have questioned everything they had just learned from this man. The hope that they had about their current circumstances, the larger circumstances, their worries and fears about their own jobs, about their own economic standard within the Roman Empire, standing within the Roman Empire, the fear that the Roman Empire brought about any kind of dissension that took place, they put Jesus to death. Are they now going to seek out all of those who were followers and put them to death as well? The fear that we have about the people and the stories that were just told about the current circumstances of their family. We didn't even talk about the, the gentleman who had a son who was deathly ill who Jesus healed, the woman who touched Jesus' garment, talking about the Jairus' daughter and others who, who all they wanted was help with what was going on with her family, the people they loved. And Jesus met needs again and again. Is that the end of the story? Because it seems like in life, life gets swallowed up by death. Joy gets set aside for fear. And Easter Sunday morning, something dramatic happens that turns that formula inside out. Because here we have the empty tomb, the resurrected Christ that meets the woman, and it says that you don't know the end of the story yet. Yeah, it does appear life gets swallowed up by death, but death now gives way to life. Joy gets eaten up by fear, but fear begins to be swallowed up by joy. The women come to the tomb in the morning. I don't know what they're anticipating. Matthew doesn't give us a lot of insight of what they're looking to do. It appears that these are some who were at the cross, that followed Jesus, that heard his words. I don't know if they were remembering it all. Jesus' revelation to them and they seem to miss it. About the third day, there would be something that takes place. But they came with some sense of anticipation, and when they got there, the earth shook. The earth shook when the crucifixion took place. It shakes again as an angel descends from heaven, rolls the stone away from the grave, and sits on the stone. I, I just trying to imagine the posture of the angel. Like, is there a smirk on the face? Because the guards are there and the guards are shaken as well. And then they kind of collapse right where they are, overwhelmed. It appears with terror of some sort. The women are there as well. It says that the angel says to the women, I guess they are thinking maybe the guards aren't going to get it. But says to the women, do not be afraid. Come take a look at the tomb. It's empty. Death has given way to life again. This is the pattern of God's creation. It doesn't mean there is no death, but it is this promise that death gives way to resurrection. And fear gives way to joy and hope. It doesn't mean that fear disappears, 
but it gives way to joy when we realize this story is for us, for me, for you. The context of this story is my story and your story. What is it that grips you with fear? What is it that leaves you concerned that it's about to die? A relationship that's about to crumble or has crumbled already? A circumstance that makes it feel like your dream is about to come to an end and never come to fruition. A concern, a fear for your reputation, a, a worry about tomorrow. Or maybe it's right now and the concern is right in your lap, right next to you in the next seat is a circumstance you've never shared with anybody else. And I just want to say the words that the angel speaks. Don't be afraid. Jesus says it again to the women when they meet Jesus. I, I don't know why. I would have expected a little bit more in that moment. Jesus just says, greetings. It's like, hey. What? Death just gave way to this, and I am here. And the women grab his feet, a custom that's somewhat unknown to us, but let me put it in context. There is certainly a subservient nature to this, but to grab hold of one's feet is to lay claim to what they can do for you. It is a moment of deep, profound need. Oh, Jesus, would you? Could you? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Go tell the others. We'll meet up again. Come see what's about to take place. Your circumstances, whatever they are, I know there are times when it just grips you because I know it grips me. Not exactly sure what to do. Don't feel like I have enough knowledge. Don't have all of the understanding that would help me move forward. Can't even figure out what my options are because sometimes it feels like all the options just got blocked. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the words from the physician meant. I don't know what it is that's going to happen with my parents or my children or my spouse or myself. The Easter message is that when that fear grips, let it begin to give way to a hope, a promise, a joy that death gets swallowed up in resurrection. It is the ultimate fear against the empire that they can hang death over the head of the Jews. And Jesus is saying, oh no. I've conquered death, and you will find that if you see beyond, allow me to give you eyes that can see, ears that can hear, you'll begin to see the world in a new way, a way that has hope, a storyline that's bigger than the here and now, an eternity that has divine touch to it where heaven comes to earth. And God's will is done on earth just as it is in heaven. Because fear begins to subside, hope begins to reign, joy begins to penetrate the circumstances of our lives. And the resurrection begins to be enacted in everything we face. Oh Lord, may your resurrection come true. I need it more than I ever knew. I need it now. I need it tomorrow. I need to live in the resurrection hope that takes me into the circumstances with far less fear than I had before. Because trust calls me to step out without knowing everything, knowing the one who created all things knows all that needs to be known as I rest 
and my creator. Oh, what that brings to mind is this. He is risen. I love that. I want to live that daily and let it pour over all the circumstances of our journey together in community. Just to be reminded that he is risen as the band comes to lead us in a closing song, I would love to lead us in a closing prayer that concludes with that same, He is risen. O oh Lord, our God, our Savior, this is for us. The context paints a picture of our storyline wrapped into the woman at the well, wrapped into the person who couldn't see, wrapped in to the father who longed for help, wrapped into the woman who just wanted to touch your garment, wrapped into those at something as simple but as important as a wedding banquet. Our story, whatever it is, your invitation comes with a willingness to meet us right where our story is. And this is the invitation to allow our stories to merge, to let you to step into the storyline of our life, make us part of a community that journeys together, loves together, hopes together, acknowledges our fears together and our uncertainties together, and puts us in a place where we can just together offer our statement of hope. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. No love is higher. No love is wider. No love is deeper, no love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is like your love, O oh Lord. No love is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no love is truer, no love is higher. No love is wider, no love is like your love, oh Lord. No love is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is like your love, oh the word that was made flesh.
light of the world by darkness thing. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose dead. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost his grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine. Oh, part with the precious blood. start of Psalm 22 that ends in powerful resurrection triumph, where all the poor are filled with good things and fed, and the rich feast and worship all gather together, and future generations will be told this very story, and that's us. I wonder if Jesus, always the teacher, leads us into resurrection so this morning, whatever your circumstances, whether you know you need it or not, may you be reminded this week that the power of the resurrection is yours to access. An invitation that your story be mixed with the eternal story of reconciliation, of love and grace. And may this week you be the Easter story to, the, to a world that longs and needs to hear the hope that is offered through Christ. Go in God's peace. May this celebrate and continue throughout your journey because he is risen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.
crown him the risen Lord of Lords, yeah. Oh, crown him, crown the 